the big names you know, the other guys you've never heard of, until now. This is Around the Nest, Jay talking around the Blue Jays minor league system. I'm Jesse Goldberg Strassler. This is Around the Nest, Jay talking our way through the Toronto Blue Jays organization. We'll have Jim Tarabokia, we'll have Tyler Murray, Pat Malacaro, and myself to take you around what this first week was like in the Jays minor league system. We'll get you through it. We'll let you know who's impressed us. We'll have a really good time breaking it all down. And let's begin immediately with the Dunedin Blue Jays and Jim Tarabokia, the voice of the DJs in the Florida State League. Let's see how things have been going. Nate Pearson, uh, Nick Allgaier, Graham Spraker, and more. So, Jim, are you there? Yes. How are you? I'm doing well. well. Let's talk about the Dunedin Blue Jays, and let's begin with Vladdy Jr., because you had him yes. before Pat Malacaro had him. Uh-huh. I'm kidding. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> I, I, um, yeah, no, it was good to, it's always good to, to see him. And that was the third consecutive year that I've seen him. Um, you know, so he can't, he, uh, uh, yeah, I've got a chance to see him now for three years, and I, I saw him for about four games, and, uh, Looking, it's looking good. Look, things are things are are looking good. You know, fun, the fun-loving and uh, easygoing Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has always uh, made an appearance. So, you get to see him third straight year. You've gotten to see other guys, and this is your first season seeing them. So, let me ask, who has made the most immediate positive impression upon you? Um. Well, for me so far, it's been Riley Adams. I thought, and I think you and I talked about this before the season, how uh, he's got to have a bounce back year offensively. And um, certainly the, the arm strength is obviously still there. It's not going anywhere. And um, uh, you look at him um, uh, offensively and, and how he's getting pitches to hit, and he's not missing those pitches as, um, as sometimes maybe last year. Uh, he did, and so uh, I think him as a as a hitter. Um, you know, Matty Young said this to me earlier today, our, our our hitting coach. He said he's not missing pitches that he's had the ability to hit hard, and he's hit those pitches really hard. And uh, it's really good to see with him, uh, see that, um, see him evolve as a hitter. He's a lot more confident too, as a hitter as well, working counts and and um, uh, he's making the pitchers throw to him. And it's been really fun to see because he always knew it was there. Um, it's just a matter of when. And and now he's finally uh, he's busting through here offensively as he did uh, when he was uh, at the short season level uh, a couple of years ago. So he's my standout hitter. And I think pitching wise, Graham Spraker um, coming into the year, we didn't really know much what we had with Graham. But uh, he's, he's come in, he's kind of piggybacked with Nate Pearson the last couple of times out, and he's got excellent command with his stuff. And uh, he's very, very relaxed out there on the mound. He's doing a nice job too. So those two, um, those two guys, and obviously Nate Pearson as well, but those are the two guys that have really stood out to me that I'm uh, very impressed with. Let's stick with Nate Pearson. What have you seen from the big man? Sure. You know, with Nate, um, I, well, Andrew and I have seen triple digits with his fastball, 100 miles an hour. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I've seen a guy who, um, uh, you know, in such a short time, you know, keep in mind that uh, his first win this year was his first ever uh, career win at the professional level. He's had uh, obviously limited time with the injury last year. and um, He's been limited a bit the last uh, couple of years in his innings. But you're seeing a guy, uh, to me, here at this level, who's very confident and a guy um, 
who also understands himself as a pitcher, knows who he is. You know, he's not trying to blow everybody away every single plate appearance. He's just letting uh, the talent take over and his ability um, to, you know, spin that breaking ball used to the pitches. You know, you hear now in baseball, there's really no fastball count anymore. And that that's pretty much with Nate. Uh, that applies to Nate. There's really no, um, there's, you're not, there's no fastball count with him because he's uh, comfortable to throw every pitch uh, uh, at any time. So, you know, for me, with, with watching him pitch and, and seeing what he has so far along with that, that fastball, which everybody talks about, but he can also throw his, his off-speed stuff at, at any time. And, I mean, that power stuff, it's going to play certainly uh, at the next level, um, you know, sooner, maybe sooner rather than later. How about another member of your starting rotation, a guy who skipped right over Lansing into your rotation, the southpaw, Nick Allgaier. What have you seen? Well, first time out, um, the first inning was a little bit shaky, certainly. And um, but once he settled in, I think he struck out six that night in Clearwater. And then last time out uh, earlier this week, he was great, you know. And uh, from what I've seen, I, I see a guy who's willing to, to mix it up a little bit uh, in regards to his windup and try to throw off the hitter's timing as well. So, um, and, and, and I've seen it, uh, you know, with, with hitters that are late on his fastball because of that. Um, so, I think when he spots up his pitches well, he, he, he's, he's just as good as anybody, and he's a valuable member to our to our rotation. And he's really spotted up in his command his pitches more times uh, more times than not, certainly. So he's been very impressive here in the early going. On the subject of strikeouts, there have been some big-time strikeout games by Dunedin's pitchers, uh, but also the batters have struck out a lot. You've been seeing a lot of whiffs early on. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately we have, which is we put in the game notes um, where uh, we we struck out the most times in the league, but we also had the second best or I think third best on base percentage in the league, and we've been hit by the most pitches in the league as well. We're going to work our walks. Uh, you know, we had a 19 game strikeout, 19 um, strikeout game last week, which was the most since 2010. Uh, but with that said, um, uh, we're we're also a team that. Uh, can get on base as well, as shown by our walks and our on-base percentage. When we do, we're, we're willing to run. You know, Cesar has shown that he's willing to run with some of these guys. And, uh, um, you know, I, and we have a little bit of power mixed in as well. So we have a very good balanced order that uh, I don't really um, – again, we don't, nobody likes strikeouts, you know, and that's a big thing in the game nowadays. But nobody likes strikeouts. But I, I think um, when you turn that into a positive that we're still getting on base a lot, that says something. If we weren't getting on base, then that would be a problem, but we're still getting on base. And um, I, I think with our hitters and our dynamic in the lineup, our, our strikeouts as the season moves along, we'll, we'll start to certainly go down. You can find Jim Tarabokia on Twitter, at Jim Tara, the voice of the DJs, a advanced affiliate in the Florida State League. Jim, thank you for your time. Jesse, thank you, buddy. Talk to you next week. All right, till then. Now let me bring in Tyler Murray from the AA New Hampshire Fisher Cats. Tyler, how are you? Jesse, happy Around the Nest Day. Great to talk to you, my friend. Vladdy skipped over you. Let's talk about the guys that you've got. And we begin with your starting rotation. Because the New Hampshire starting rotation, Scott MacArthur dropped me a text the other day just saying, that rotation can be special. Oh, by the way, Jen C. Diaz didn't waste any time, and Zach Logue didn't waste any time. Let's start with Logue. How about that first start? Yeah, no need for Vladdy here in Double A, Jesse. Uh, 
barely any run support's been required for this starting rotation. And you, you said it, Zach Logue, my goodness, was he dominant. Five perfect innings. And then a, a guy who spent some time in the big leagues, Arizmendi Alcantara, broke up the perfect game bid with a leadoff single in the sixth. After that, it was just an infield single and an error brought in an unearned run. But, I mean, just the confidence this kid is showing. He's about to turn 23 in 11 days. But, I mean, his first crack at the double-A level, he really was aggressive out there. It's not the greatest conditions to pitch or hit in right now in New Hampshire, but we were so impressed with him. And then Jensi Diaz came out and arguably pitched even better the next day. He faced a minimum over six innings. So you look at the quote-unquote headliners in the rotation, I guess Patrick Murphy would, would take the cake there as the FSL Pitcher of the Year. And then Hector Perez, who's the second-highest-rated pitching prospect in the rotation, if you ask MLB.com anyway. And they were they were fine, but it was Logue and it was Diaz who really stole the show the first time through the rotation. Patrick Murphy is also new this year in AA New Hampshire. With Murph, with Hector Perez, with with these starters, in simply speaking with the Fisher Cats coaching staff, what are they saying about your arms? We got to see Patrick Murphy in one start last year. He came up on May 27th when John Harris went up to AAA. It was kind of one of those the domino effect, and uh, everyone went back down the level after that first start. But I remember thinking, are, are we sure we we don't need Patrick Murphy up here in Double A? I mean, he, he looked like he belonged last year. He allowed just four hits in six innings, struck out six, and he was just two Ks away from his first double-digit strikeout game in his last outing. That was on uh, Wednesday, and like his counterparts, or like his fellow rotation mates, I should say, Logan Diaz, he was nearly perfect for the first part of his outing. It was until a, a two-run homer by. And Mickey Moniak, uh, he finally showed some signs of, of mortality, but everybody just loved this guy's arm, his potential, and his mentality on the hill. I mean, uh, the stuff is there for Patrick Murphy. He proved last year he could handle a, a full season's workload. He's battled with some injuries earlier in his career, and, and it finally feels like everything's clicking in terms of his confidence, his arsenal, uh, and his stuff, which has always been there, but his health more than anything uh, that seems like it's finally right, and uh, the result, especially against Reading on Wednesday, I mean, that was one of the better starts we've seen anybody uh, put together this year. With the voice of the people, Tyler Murray, with the AA New Hampshire Fisher Cats, let me ask you about another starter. Andrew Sopko was acquired via trade. I believe that was the Russell Martin deal. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but how has Sopko looked? Yeah, he looks strong. That was the that was the Russell Martin deal. You are correct. So he came over uh, from the Dodgers in January. He actually played with uh, Corey Copping, who won a ring from the Tulsa Drillers Dodgers Double A last year, and with the Fisher Cats because he came at the trade deadline and won a title in New Hampshire. So Asopko was solid. Just one run given up in five innings. But I mean, that was another day where it was so cold here in New Hampshire. At 35 degrees, Jesse. I know it's uh, not much warmer up in Lansing, Michigan either, but uh, the Fisher Cats had one hit the entire day. So, honestly, tough to get a read on Sopko, whether or not that was just a, a terrible hitting environment for both sides. There were only five hits in the entire game, but, I mean, he's a pro. He's I know you don't measure up a minor league rotation necessarily as the fifth guy to start as your number five starter. It's more based off of who uh, is fresh out of spring training, who's had enough rest, but uh, he definitely seems like a, a key piece in this rotation to make it a very deep one through five. The big question on Bluebird Banter, and a question that I had written down too, had been, 
hey, who's been the most exciting player in the early going? Who's given the best first impression? Who's your favorite newcomer? We've talked only about these starting pitchers so far. Who's the guy that we have not mentioned who's really impressed you in the early going? Well, we saw Josh Palacios during the playoff run last season. He was called up right at the end of the regular season just to join the playoff roster, and it's been him, Palacios, uh, the walk-off base knock to round out the homestand, and it was uh, a moment where we were one more out away from extra innings for the third time in these cold temperatures in just the first homestand, and Palacios said after the game, no, no more extras. We're hitting this walk-off single. So he's got the <laughs> three stolen bases, three stolen bases to lead the league, Jesse. Uh, great athleticism and speed in center field. So he's not necessarily a surprise with how exciting he's been to watch, but he's he's led the team in, in just about every department so far this season. So Palacios has been great. We saw Vinny Capra, who was drafted last year, just played in short season ball and was probably expected to be with maybe you guys in Lansing or with. Jim down in Dunedin, but uh, because of that last-minute uh, trade of Rodrigo Orozco, uh, they had to get somebody up here, and Vinny Capra was the guy, and uh, he's been terrific so far. His on-base is 538 in his first three games in A, so he's almost forcing uh, the hand of the, the system to keep him up here for a little bit longer. Yeah, Vinny Capra was the very first 2018 draft pick to join the Lansing Lugnuts. And a great guy, a great clubhouse guy, a fun guy to be around and to talk with about baseball. Comes from a big baseball family. Just a blast. And so when I saw that he got the call, hey, look, Vinny, go up to New Hampshire. Let's see how you do. It's been fascinating to watch his progress. It really has. I mean, 22 years old will turn 23 in July. So uh, not exactly one of those teenage prospects. So, yeah, if, if he can hit double-A pitching, no reason to to send him back down. So we'll see what uh, what happens. I don't think it was part of the initial plan to have him here for an extended period, but he's making a case for it. Something about Vinny, too, and something that you mentioned in terms of the early season. Um, lastly, with Tyler Murray and A New Hampshire, I never know how much stock to put in the start of the season because of the temperatures. I don't really know who's going to be good, who's going to struggle, it just feels like the baseball that you're playing in right now, you're not going to be playing in this kind of baseball for the rest of the season. So what can you really evaluate? It's tough. It is. I mean, Vlad Jr. started uh, three for 15. I think he had 200 in his first three games, and then he went off and finished uh, with a 400 batting average in 60 games here. So uh, it's tough to judge. I think the pitchers have a bit of an edge. But, I mean, if you're a starter and you're waiting in the cold and you're dug after it, a long inning, I mean, it's it's even more difficult for you to get back warmed up. So it's it's tough to say. Um, it is interesting, though, with a lot of these guys having spent most of last year in advanced day Dunedin. I mean, you're battling the heat down there, and you come up here, you're just trying to stay warm. So it'll be probably another week or so until we get the consistent warm temperatures here at the Northeast Delta Dental Stadium. But, I mean, it's a pretty well-rounded team so far, Jesse. I think we can expect an exciting season with great pitching the whole way, and maybe not necessarily that devastating heart of the order like Bichette, Guerrero, and Biggio last year, but there are very few easy outs, if any, in this lineup. So it's been fun to watch. All right. Tyler Murray with the AA New Hampshire Fisher Cats. We'll talk more about Kevin Smith next week. Tyler, thank you. Jesse, you're the GOAT. Talk to you soon. All right. And from Tyler and AA, let me bring in Pat Malacaro of the AAA Buffalo Bisons, the voice of the herd. Hey, Pat, 
How good is it to have Vladdy back? Oh, it was so much fun last night, Jesse. Uh, even besides the home run, just seeing the attitude, the atmosphere, uh, everything that goes into it, uh, to have Vladdy back with the team was certainly a lot of fun. Game yesterday, too. That had to be one of the most fun games you've had the chance to broadcast in a while, true? Yeah, I, I, I wish, you know, selfishly as the Bisons had, had finished the comeback and didn't lose 9-8 in extra innings, I think that would have been, you know, the cherry on top. But for the fact that the team was down 8-1 to one and was able to rally, in addition to Vladdy, it was Anthony Alford making a, a big uh, push offensively that, that helped the team, a guy like Eric Sogard. Uh, even Kevin Biggio was, was instrumental in the fifth and seventh innings last night. So you look at who was the main players in that seven-run comeback, and there are a lot of names that Blue Jay fans have been keeping an eye on. So uh, it was exciting, and it was fun, and, and we'll see if that some of that carries over tonight. I want to stay with Anthony Alford because I don't think that his early season start should be overshadowed. How good has he been? Uh, he has been as good as we saw last season. He's been better than maybe we saw at the beginning of his time last year. I thought as the season went on, especially later in the year, we saw what Anthony Alford could be as an outfielder and at the plate. He's got just this natural raw power as an athlete. Uh, you, you can't play Division One college football in the SEC and not be an athlete. So uh, we got to see glimpses of it working with Devon White and the coaching staff here last year, working with Corey Hart. Uh, in the batting cage, I think we started to see more from Anthony Alford as the season went on. Well, this year, he's kind of right where he ended last year, which is uh, a good sign for Anthony. And, look, he's been up to Toronto a couple of times. One didn't result in a promotion. Um, in, in start, not, he did not start the season on the 25-man roster, but was, you know, in, in just in case. Then he goes up for a couple of days and has rejoined the Bisons. And, you know, you talk about the infectious attitude that, that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has. Well, Anthony Alford usually has a smile on his face, uh, even on his worst days at the plate. So uh, that attitude, I think, has carried Anthony very well. Let's talk about new players. First impressions. Who's the guy that you had not seen in the game with Buffalo before 2019 that you're already enjoying watching? Someone we talked about last week, Jordan Patterson, uh, an outfielder and first baseman, uh, a guy that is in the International League for the first time outside of the Rockies organization. Uh, playing in games outside their organization for the first time and really uh, not knowing what to expect. He, he is not that old, but he's been around for a handful of years. So he's, he's one of those guys that uh, could be a nice piece. And I think he has added something to this team as a left-handed batter and another pretty good natural athlete, uh, not necessarily center fielder caliber the way that Anthony Alford can be, but he plays right field very well, fundamentally sound, has a good arm, and has delivered some big hits. Uh, for this team. His batting average might not sit that high right now, but uh, when he's had base hits, they've come in important situations, and, and it's something I've really liked uh, over the first seven games now going to the eighth tonight. Let me finish with a question from Bluebird Banter from Hayden Godfrey, who's now doing the post on Around the Nest. Kevin Biggio, thus far this year with how he has opened, do you think that he gets a call-up to the major leagues before Bo Bichette? Oh, I, I, someone asked me this yesterday. I was on with uh, Sportsnet 590, the fan, and I still think the track record says Bo Bichette starts slow, but the rest of the season he's extremely good, if not great, uh, better than good. 
So I think if you just look at the first week of the season, you could make that judgment. But I think when all is said and done, I honestly don't know because I think they're two different players, obviously, but I also think they bring different things to the table. So uh, for Kevin, it just screams to me, someone who's 24 years old and has been uh, around baseball a little bit longer just because he's older and he has a little more uh, to build his base from where Bo is a little bit younger and still finding his way. But I think at the end of the day, um, whether it's Bo or Kevin debuting first, uh, Blue Jay fans are going to enjoy them for quite a few years. And sure, maybe Kevin goes up first, but I don't think that's necessarily a knock uh, on what Bo has done or his season. Until then, though, you get the chance to enjoy them. Pat Malacaro with the Buffalo Bisons, the voice of the herd, watching Bichette, Biggio, Vladdy, and onward as AAA baseball is back and we're a week in. Pat, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Jesse. Talk to you next week. All right. So there, that's going around the nest from Jim and A Advance to Tyler and AA to Pat and AAA. Let's finish up with my class single A Lansing Lugnuts. The Lugnuts have opened up the year with a record of 3-5, and five, but that did include some excitement. We go back to last Sunday. Lansing trailed one nothing going to the bottom of the seventh inning, and Hagen Danner homered to dead center field. That tied up the score at 1-1. to one. In the top of the eighth inning, though, Fort Wayne played two runs, brought a 3-1 lead to the bottom of the eighth. Otto Lopez came up to home plate. The pitch. Hit high and deep to left. On its way, you can tell it goodbye. Out on the home run hill in left, and we are all tied up three to three. Well, you called it, Jesse. You said that the top of the order was coming back up, and there was a chance for a rally. Two home run game for the Lugnuts, their first of the year, and the first of the year for Otto Lopez. My goodness, he crushed that. That made the score 3-3, three to three. but in the top of the ninth inning, Fort Wayne took the lead once again, 4-3. to three. So cue the Lugnuts rally. A wild pitch in the bottom of the ninth tied up the score at 4-4. Four to four. The bases were loaded, and the batter was Johnny Aiello. Opportunity for Aiello to be the hero, 4-4 four to four in the ninth. Balen throws. Did he hit him? He caught him, and this ball game is over. Ryan Gold comes in from third. On the bases loaded, hit by a pitch of Johnny Aiello. The Lansing Lugnuts defeat the Tin Caps 5-4 with two in the bottom of the ninth inning. They jump around between first and second. The water shower for Johnny Aiello, who wears it for the win. So that was how the Lugnuts won on Sunday, and then they won again on Monday in just an hour and 54 minutes. It was a dash. 197 pitches were used in the game. That was the total by both teams. And just for purposes of comparison, the very next game on Tuesday night went three hours and 37 minutes, and there were about 370 pitches used in that game. The voices that you heard there, one was mine, and the other one was Adam Jaxa, who joins me on air calling the Lansing Lugnuts games. Let me welcome in Adam right now. Adam, let's talk about your impressions of this Lugnuts young season. First question is, who has impressed you, whom you had never seen in a minor league game before? Hey, Jesse, great to talk with you. I think two guys stand out to me so far. Uh, the top prospect in the Blue Jays organization that's in Lansing right now, Jordan Groshans. Uh, he hasn't played the last 
couple of games. We saw him for a little bit um, earlier this week, but then left the game and didn't play yesterday. But his ability to get on base, his calmness at the plate, and at the beginning of the season in terms of the first couple of games last week, he made some errors. And since then, he's sharpened up defensively and has made some nice plays consistently over at short. So I like the excitement that Jordan Groshans brings to the table. And the other one I know, a favorite of yours, Otto Lopez, has been a guy that has done everything recently for the Lugnuts. He's getting on base. He's getting hits. He's stealing bases. Uh, He showed us some power with a big two-run shot earlier this past week. So I think Otto Lopez, Jordan Groshans, two guys that I hadn't seen before that have been playing the infield for the Lugnuts have really stuck out to me as guys that can help propel this offense. Because as you and I saw the last couple of days, they're going to need some more offense to pick back up and get in the win column again after a, a few tough losses to West Michigan. Let's take some questions from Bluebird Banter. What are your first impressions on Hagen Danner? My first impression was just, what uh, what a start in terms of getting some hits. I mean, you and I talked about it before. I don't know how many times I've seen this where a guy gets three hits and has really struggled at the plate, but all three hits are home runs. And uh, he kind of flew under the radar, for, for me at least. I know we were excited about uh, Alejandro Kirk and Jordan Groshans and some of the pitchers that are coming and uh, uh, Joey Murray and um, Winkowski, but – Here's Hagen Danner, who's sitting here going, hey, hey, don't forget about me. You know, I can play some ball. He's coming out of Huntington Beach, California. Three guys on the team right now from that area. And uh, he's shown us the best pop on the team. Three home runs to lead the way. So I think him with the rest of the squad, Jesse, is more of the same. Let's see more consistency at the plate. You talked about it earlier in the show. Kind of tough to judge guys right now just because it's still cold outside. But I think as the temperatures start to warm up, him being a West Coast guy, um, you're going to start to see more consistency and see him get on base more. But I've liked what I've seen from him defensively behind the plate, and uh, obviously seeing the pop in the bat is something that's been uh, awesome to see as well to begin the Lugnut season. This is Adam Jackson. I'm Jesse Goldberg-Strassler, and this is Around the Nest. Jay talking our way around the Blue Jays organization, talking about the class single-A affiliated Lansing Lugnuts. Question from Hayden Godfrey, who is writing Lansing Lugnuts spotlight pieces this year. He started off this past week with a preview of the Lugnuts pitching core and the offensive players, and watch out for individual player spotlights coming up. Uh, Adam, Hayden was wondering about a pitcher who, to this point of the young year, has gone seven innings. He's allowed only one run. It was unearned. He's walked one, and he has struck out 11 and nobody has ever heard of him before except his family, his friends, and the people who saw him pitch at the University of Hawaii at Manoa. So what can you tell us about Jackson Reese? Well, I just talked about Hagen Danner kind of flying under the radar. Jackson Reese has definitely uh, done the same thing when you've got two of those other bigger guys that are starting the rotation. I mean, Reese has quietly done a great job of throwing strikes and keeping hitters off balance. And uh, he's flashed the ability to to give us more than um, one pitch. You know, he's been able to utilize those secondary pitches. And uh, the best thing about a pitcher, and when it's really fun to watch, Jesse, is when they're getting punch outs, when they're able to get strikeouts, making it easy on their defense. And as you just mentioned, some of his numbers, last couple outings for Reese, he's been able to get those strikeouts 
And uh, in an outing to this point, he leads Lugnut pitchers uh, at that five-inning performance uh, just a couple of days ago against West Michigan where he punched out eight white cap batters. So I think that for me has been he's getting – he's hitting with his pitches, and uh, he's a guy that no one really had talked a ton about at the beginning of the year. And obviously we're, we're still only a week in. But uh, I think he's a guy that we're definitely will – We'll keep our eye on now because of the way he's flashed uh, his ability on the mound the last couple of times. Are there any other players who say, let me sneak in a little shout-out for this guy before this show ends? Yeah, Jesse, I mean, we got to talk about Alejandro Kirk. I mean, how special has he been, not just at the plate? And, again, he came in as uh, the second-highest prospect in the Blue Jays organization with Lansing to start this year. Um, but his defense has been so good. I mean, uh, he threw a guy out yesterday. You and I were watching, and uh, it, it was a ball that scooted away from him. He still had the presence to pick the ball up quickly, throw it down to second, and beat the runner. Um, he's been really good at keeping everything in front of him. And the fact that you come into a new organization and you're working with all new pitchers at the beginning of the year, and he's worked with multiple guys as he's been the main starter behind the plate for Lansing and he's had no issues rhythm-wise, timing-wise. I mean, he's not getting crossed up much, and uh, he's already found good flow with the pitching staff. So I've been really impressed with his ability uh, to call and catch a good game for the Lansing Lugnuts. And then his pop from the plate is tremendous. Uh, I mean, he had uh, two RBIs uh, yesterday for the Lugnuts. Is, uh, helped them uh, two days ago, rather, as he helped them get back into the game. Um, he's flashed a opposite field home run for us. Um, he has pelted a couple of balls, whistled one over third yesterday, just hammered the baseball. So his combination of power, uh, defense, the way he's able to throw out batters at second. And uh, let's not forget, he's got, uh, he's got another tool. He stole home, and uh, we're talking about a bigger-framed <laughs> guy that's got the ability to do all type of things. Um, so I've been really impressed. Stole home and beat out an infield single. So have to talk about Alejandro Kirk, and I think he's going to be someone fun to watch as this season continues. He's Adam Jaxa. Find him on Twitter. Give him a follow at Adam Jaxa, A-D-A-M-J-A-K-S-A. And he's my broadcast partner this entire season for Lansing Lugnuts games. Adam, thank you for making your debut on Around the Nest. I wouldn't have it any other way, Jesse. My life is now complete. Thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, every Friday, Around the Nest bringing you the latest news, our observations, our stories from every single level of the Blue Jays organization that's active, checking in with the uh, radio broadcasters. I'm glad that Adam brought up the whole Alejandro Kirk stealing home plate. That was a game in which the Lugnuts stole home in back-to-back innings. And there was another rarity that happened recently. There was a game this past week where we saw four different batters called for interference. There were two occasions where the runner at first tried to take second base. The catcher threw down, and the home plate umpire Taylor Payne ruled that the batter had interfered with the catcher's throw down to second base. In each occasion, the batter was called out, one for the Lugnuts, one for the West Michigan Whitecaps. And then both Otto Lopez and Reggie Pruitt tried to lay down buns, and on their way out of the batter's box, they contacted the baseball in fair territory they were called out for interference. How often do you see any of one of those in a game, let alone four of them? Let's wrap up this week on Around the Nest with a conversation with one of the Blue Jays minor leaguers. 
This is your chance to get to know who they are, just a little bit more about some of the guys maybe you've heard of or maybe that you've never heard of. Connor Law is a right-hander for Lansing. Law was signed as a non-drafted free agent two years ago. He is 24 years of age. And, well, just listen. Get to know a little bit more about the Lugnuts reliever. This is Jesse Goldberg-Strassler, joined by Lansing Lugnuts pitcher Connor Law. First, Colton Laws is also in the organization. <laughs> Has ever anybody tried to get the two of you together in the same room? Um, yeah, actually, we're good friends, but everyone gets us mixed up. Like, everyone calls me Connor Laws, or he gets Colton Law. Like it's just uh, it's a big mess, but, I mean, we're clearly different. He's, uh, he's about 6'9", I'm about 6'4", but, I don't know, everyone gets our names mixed up. When did you first start full-time pitching? Um, probably my redshirt sophomore year, so my third year in college. Um, I just started, like, I just kind of figured it out and started actually working at, at pitching and everything and just kind of started to click for me. Was it a coach who figured you're going to be really great at the back end of the bullpen? Um, well, I actually started one of the years in, in college, um, my junior year, or my fourth year, so my redshirt junior year, but I was a starter that year. Um, but last year, or my last year in college, my coach said, hey, we need a guy to finish games. Like, we've got a couple starters, but we don't know if we can trust anybody to go to the deep end um, of the game. So I said, like, whatever whatever the team needs, like, I'm, I'm here for it. So. And how was that? I just seemed to work out for me all right. I mean, I set the I set the saves record for the school, um, and then we went to the College World Series. Um, and we had a phenomenal staff, like, um, and I just, I don't know, I was kind of like the nail in the coffin. Did you bring a different mentality as a closer than as a starter? Uh, yeah. When you start, you kind of have to, like, play for the long game, but as a closer, I'm, I'm pitching about three innings max. Um, so you can kind of just go in and then give like all all your effort 100 percent um for those i don't know max three innings that one inning whatever it is uh but for starters you go you you aim to go five six at least but i think mean, anything else after that is a plus so then it was easy for you you're saying all i have to do is get this batter out not worry about him the rest of the game yeah that's exactly right <laughs> what brought you to lindenwood um they just offered me a really nice scholarship if, if anyone's ever been to the campus it's a beautiful campus and a great spot um 20 minutes outside of st louis um, grown up a Cardinals fan, so that was a lot of fun. I uh, went to a lot of a lot of those games, St. Louis Blues. Um, I don't know, just it, it just had a good uh, good feel to it, and the coaches were awesome. Um, yeah. Was there a Cardinals player, pitcher, position player that you looked up to? Not really. Um, it's actually weird because I kind of idolized Randy Johnson growing up. Even though I'm right-handed, he's left-handed. But same slider. Yeah, yeah, I'd, that'd be nice. Uh, but like, I just always loved his mentality of he's just always mad, and like that's just, <laughs> that just seemed to work for him. And I kind of like adopted that a little bit too. Um, I just I don't know. I like the way his mentality was and his persona and how he went about his business. And I don't know. He kind of. He did all right, so. Wait, hang on. Always mad. I've only seen you off the field. Yeah. Are you a mad pitcher? Um, yeah, when I get on the mound. I don't know. People tell me I, like, I walk when I have, like, suitcases, like, puffed out. I don't notice it, but I've seen video of it, and, yeah, I definitely do that. Um, that's, not, that's not intentional. It's just, I don't know, the way I carry it out there, I guess. <laughs> um, off, off the field, I'm, I don't know. I'm competitive, but I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm really that mad. But when I get on the mound, no, I mean all bets are off. Like I'm, I'm pretty angry. And off the field, besides baseball, accounting, right? Finances. Right. Yeah, I have uh, I have a master's in accounting. How did you first decide? Hey, this is something that's also for me. Um, uh, just I don't know. I was always pretty good at math. Uh, I enjoyed numbers. It, was, it seemed to be easy. And then I don't know. I took a couple classes 
at Lindenwood, and I don't know, I just kind of, I had a great teacher. She showed, she built a phenomenal foundation for me, and I feel like anything, any teacher that does that, then, I don't know, I just kind of built it from there. I mean, finance, it spreads widely, so we could talk about baseball finance or business. Is there a specific area that you're more interested in? Uh, not really. I'm, I mean, I haven't really done too much work in the accounting field. It's all, like, learning, so... So once I actually go into an accounting firm, if, if, um, if baseball happens to not work out, then I will, uh, I don't know, I'll kind of play it from there and then sign, kind of see what I like and then go from there. For the moment, though, your off-seasons are dedicated only to baseball? Uh, I actually worked at the accounting firm. I did uh, for about three months um, from, like, October to December just to earn some money. They needed help with some audit work, so that's what I've done more practice in. So I kind of just went and helped them out, um, earned a little bit of money, which is nice because they pay well. And yeah. Then, yeah. So and then it was rough though. I had to get up at like four o'clock in the morning to go work out and then go throw after work. So I mean, it was definitely uh, definitely a grind in the off season. But when I see the Repsetto out and I see all the different analytics that are going in with you and your interests, does that give you an advantage in any way? Um, I don't know because I'm kind of. I feel like these are two different types of math. This is like sabermetrics analytics, and I'm more of like a hard stats guy. So they play a little bit into it, but not really. It's just kind of understanding what the spin rate and axis and all this stuff, um, this like kind of newfound stuff, does for a baseball. And yeah, I'm talking to Lansing Lugnuts pitcher Connor Law. When you went into this year's spring training. Did you say to yourself, here's what my goals are for 2019? Yeah, so last year in Vancouver, I didn't really throw anything other than a fastball, which is pretty much all I've done my entire life. Um, so this offseason, I really hammered, like, focusing on throwing a changeup and slider, and I threw thousands of pitches just repeating over and over again, trying to feel out the ball and then talking with some other guys, uh, just trying to get, like, a feel for what a slider is supposed to do, how I should throw it, and all that, so... Coming in this uh, spring training, I just really wanted to show my progress with the off-speed. And, um, I don't know, I think it went pretty well. I was throwing a slider for a strike pretty consistently. Uh, I feel comfortable throwing it in games at any count. So, I mean, spring training was huge. To, it was a huge moment for me to, like, show off my uh, off-season progress. Talking with Tony Casares, he told me that he was really impressed by your slider. Did you have a light bulb moment with it? Um, not really. It was kind of... I. There's a major leaguer named Tony Zick who pitched for the Mariners, has a phenomenal slider. And I worked with him a little bit in the offseason. He kind of taught me how to feel out a pitch. Instead of instead of trying to throw a slider game-ready all the time, I kind of like threw it at 60% and then just kind of slowly progressed off that. So like next time would be 70, 80, 90. Um, and that was the biggest moment, I think, or I guess moments. It took a while, but... Um, it was just like the repetition, doing it over and over again, and just hammering it into my mind of what it feels like. How did you find the right change-up grip? I've actually thrown a change-up the same way for a while. I just never threw it because I couldn't get it down consistently. But this off-season, again, with that 60%, 70% uh, mindset, I could feel out how it's supposed to come off my hand. Um, and that was more of just fine-tuning uh, the change-up. And then, yeah. What grip do you use? How how does it come off your hand? So it kind of looks like a two-seam grip. Um, I don't throw a two-seamer, but this is I use the two-seamer grip with my middle finger and my ring finger. Um, and then it kind of rolls straight off, and then at the last second it rips off my middle finger, like so it dives into a righty. 
Uh, and it's pretty violent too, like a violent drop to it. So it's it's a tough pitch to pick up. Do you ever go back and watch your own video and say, oh, look at that batter reaction? <laughs> I've never, I, maybe maybe once have I ever seen video of me pitching. Um, I think I'll over analyze it and then get in my own head. So I try to stay away from it unless something is just so wha- out of whack and I can't figure it out. Um, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna stay away from video. <laughs> and finally, with Lugnuts pitcher Connor Law, let's talk about this bullpen. Who's the funniest guy over there? Oh no, I hate to say it, but probably Marcus Reyes. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you hate to say it? Oh, he's just a clown. He's a, he's a great guy. I love him to death. He's all over the place. Like, great clubhouse guy. You love to have him on your team. He's just, I don't know. Everybody aspires to have a Marcus on the team. Like, he just lightens the mood, keeps everything light. I don't know. Does he talk more than everybody else, too? Yeah. Yeah, he's pretty... He gives a lot of details when telling a story. <laughs> Little extra details. <laughs> hey, Connor, thank you very much yeah. for your time. Absolutely. And this concludes Around the Nest for week three. Big thanks to Hayden Godfrey, who's going to be in charge of putting up the posts on Bluebird Banter, our SB Nation partner, and much more. We'll get Hayden on the show. He'll be doing a a ton of Lugnuts content in addition to big time helping us out with Around the Nest. Big thanks as well to Tim Langton, the voice of Rogers Center. You'll understand why. Uh, This was a Ben Wagner idea some years back to have Tim do the intro. And so I contacted him, and Tim's on board. And thanks as well to the voices of the organization, to Jim Tarabokia in Dunedin, Tyler Murray in in, uh, New Hampshire, Pat Malacaro in Buffalo, and Adam Jackson in Lansing. I'm Jesse Goldberg-Strassler. You can find us at Around Nest on Twitter. And big thanks to the minor leaguer as well. That does it for this week. For all weeks, until next week, enjoy the baseball.